You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, the Jets scored. We look back at that and a little bit more recapping Winnipeg's win over St. Louis heading into the break, plus a huge trade as January comes to an end. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Crisis averted. It was getting pretty dicey there for a while. I thought thought this was going to be a bit of a nasty show. The last one in a while that we're going to see the Winnipeg Jets play. But uh, lo and behold, the MVP of this team stood up and said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not dropping Another game before we head into the break here. And surprise, surprise, that person wasn't Connor Hellebuck. But yes, the Jets do find a way to end the slump, but they do so in very entertaining fashion, taking down the St. Louis Blues 3-2 to two on Monday night. So we'll break it all down for you. A great way to kick off this week because... Um, the ending of last week didn't go so good. <laughs> a bit of a bit of a rocky few days over here in Winnipeg, but the club turned it around for one night at least. Uh, so let's break it all down here in the episode. Joining me once again on skates and plates, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki. Tyson, how we doing today? Oh, just fantastic! An Eagles win on Sunday, and then a Jets win on Monday. Doesn't doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, uh, we should do our customary go birds. Uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll do a little football a little bit later on. I mean, yeah, we, we had ourselves a pretty good weekend. Uh, that's about as good of a sports weekend as it can get for a Philly fan. Unfortunately, we will have to talk about that Jets game to the Flyers Woo! In, in, in a little bit there. Um, but yeah, thank God. Thank God the Jets didn't play that way again in this. I know we went into that game on, on Saturday going, well, the good news is they won't play as bad as they did against Buffalo. And they they did. <laughs> they went ahead and did that. And so I, I mean I think I think all of Jets Nation was going into this one with a ton of trepidation. Like you can't you can't possibly do this three times in a row, right? Like you, you would think that they come out and they find a way to at least effort wise bring a lot more to the table than they did against uh, Buffalo and Philadelphia. And look, I, I would say they did. For, for for pretty much the entirety of the game, but 
man, it was on a razor's edge because the execution just wasn't there. And they were going well over 100 minutes without having scored a goal. And it was looking dicey, Tice. It was looking real, real scary. And I thought, I thought it was set in stone that we were going to see this team drop all three before the break. And then, I mean, good God, the questions, the, 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 the introspection about the, the heart and the soul of where this team is at would have been at an all-time high if not for the MVP. And there, there might have been, I think, a little bit of debate as to who that could have been you know, going into this last little bit of stretch. But I'll tell you what, Tice, seeing that first goal, seeing the Selly, and then seeing the performance through that rest of the third period there, Josh Morrissey just, quite frankly, put this team on his back. And he showcased why he's deserving of the All-Star bid. He's deserving of a trip to Vegas for the NHL Awards at the end of the year. And he's deserving of, of, of if he keeps us up, grabbing MVP honors for this team at the end of the season as well. Because... It was Josh Morrissey that kickstarted this team, the goal, the shift afterwards with a couple of big hits, and then he just kept it going and going and going. And a team that looked dead and lifeless, that was, you know, needing resuscitation on the table there, they got a spark from 44. And I think the entirety of that Jets locker room could thank Josh Morrissey for basically gifting the Jets two points against the Blues. Yeah, and, and you say that he's he's been an all-star this year. He looks like he could even be the, the team's MVP. But watching that goal and watching how the team reacted after that, that's a captain, in my opinion. That's that's a captain right there. And it's I mean no disrespect to Adam Lowry. He is he is without a doubt one of the top one of the leaders on this team, but that's what you want your captain to do. In a game when your team's sliding the past couple of games, they haven't been getting much going. For Morrissey to pop in there, and then especially after that second goal, like after that second goal, you just got the feeling like, man, that's it. Like that's that's a killer right there. And Morrissey single-handedly there brought this team's energy up, and you can just you could tell the team just had a whole different vibe as soon as he scored that goal. It was full steam ahead. The guys were heavy in on the forecheck. They're throwing heavy hits in the corner. They're taking big hits. I mean, Tor- Torpchenko absolutely tried to light up Morrissey and ended up hitting his own guy more. Morrissey but yeah Josh Morrissey just continues to just show why he's why I in my opinion I think he should be the captain he just oozes leadership he oozes he gets Winnipeg too I think he gets Winnipeg and man it's just awesome to see this year I mean this is exact it's kind of weird to say but this is almost exactly what the Jets needed heading into the All-Star break I mean you're you're 100% bait on and hey the little goosebumps here Tice Josh Morrissey in the sea I think I can get down with that. He's got a letter right now. You might need to sew a different letter onto his jersey for next season. But you're right. Like that, that that's what they needed. They needed somebody to like Mark Messier drag them into the fight and just say, ah, screw it. Like, I don't need you guys. I, I'm gonna figure this out for myself here. And they went ahead and did that. And I think the celebration, you know, was in part to his teammates and to the fans a little bit too. Like, give him the like, are you are you not entertained? The old Russell Crowe. It was it was an inspiring performance by him. He he, he was he was lights. He, he played good the whole game, but that goal he just he he turned into he transformed into a different beast altogether. And and that that was just it, it was so damn awesome to see. I, I can't I can't wait to see what what the kid's gonna do in a playoff run. You know what kind of key moments he might be able to conjure for this team. But but he I, I think. 
look, there were guys that played good on the Jets today. There, there weren't as many passengers as the last few games. But to me, it was just 44 coming up and saying, enough's enough, boys. Let's let's head into the break with two points here. And I, I, I get what you're saying, too. I don't think it can be understated just how massive this win is. Like, just for the psyche of the team, right? And, I mean, it's one thing to talk about, you know, fans and, and what the conversations might have been like, you know, with 10 or so days until their next game and say, well, do we need to trade for guys? Do we need to ship out guys? Like, that that whole thing there. But just now having the chance to to rest and recharge anybody that's been injured or banged up or sick, which is pretty much the whole team, the vibe level is at a good point right now where it's like, oh, thank God. Like, we could just take a step back recharge and then i think this team is going to be fully motivated ready to go focused sharp right out of the gate and there should be absolutely no excuses in that first game on february 11th for the jets to come out and then just lay an absolute beating against whoever they're going up against that night yeah no it's like we said it's exactly what the jets needed and you head into this all-star break you go on your vacations you enjoy a little bit of time off here and then you're back in winnipeg back in the cold back in the heat of battle and let's get this let's get the second part of the season going here and let's let's make some noise let's make some noise let's go um speaking of making noise rick bonus rick rick bonus grabbed a bullhorn and said we got some announcements to make before the game and i i what was your initial reaction i guess when you saw the lineup sheet I mean, the defense scored somewhat minor changes here and there, but nothing too too outlandish. But my God, the forward lineup. Like, you want to talk about trying to send a message. Rick Bonus made it loud and clear that he's going after some pretty prominent members of the team here. Um, and, you know, most notably, I think, Nikolai Ehlers, Blake Wheeler, maybe even Cole Perfetti. And some people were saying Dubois by putting him with, you know, two bottom six wingers. That's pretty much half your team right there that, that Rick Bonus is going after. I was beyond shocked. What was your reaction to the move by Bonus there? And do you think the move paid off? Or was it a mistake to go with a message-sending lineup? Well, my first reaction was, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I can't, I can't believe we're seeing these. Especially since there's not a lot of chemistry there either. Like they, it's it's guys who really haven't played at all. They ha- probably haven't practiced much together at all this season. So that kind of threw me a bit for a loop. And I I don't know I don't know if the the lines to start the game really did it because we saw in the third period they they switched it back up back up put Ehlers Connor and Shifley together. Uh, I I think that you got to go back to what's been working for you for most of the season. That. I think that's more so Bones just saying, "Hey, like we this team's not doing much. We needed it's kind of just throwing, you know, poop out a wall and hoping it sticks." <laughs> but at, at the end, I mean, you get that Morrissey goal, and then you start shuffling the lines up a little bit more, and then now you got to see some of that uh, that elite playmaking that comes from fifty-five and Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers, and I think that's I, it's almost sort of a wake-up call. It's like a little slap on the wrists. Hey, look, this is what you did. You just this is your quote-unquote punishment then when the games the game starts to matter a little bit more okay let's get it now you, you had your punishment let's let's score a goal here and that's what kind of what bones did so i'm not gonna harp on the move too much but i, I was a little surprised by the lines i will say this if they if morrissey doesn't score that first goal and they just kind of you know, you know the, the effort was pretty solid, but they aren't able to get on the score sheet and they drop this one to the Blues. I, 
I think the loss is 100% on Rick Bonus. <laughs> like, that, that's a ballsy move when your team really needs a win to, to kind of get this thing back on track, to throw the lineup that you had out there up front. I was, I was blown away. I, I didn't get it at all. I, I think it was a mistake. I think it cost the team through 40 minutes. Uh, but I, I think it was pretty evident once the change was made in the third period there that this is lucky. I mean, you could have done any kind of mixture in your top six there, but you needed you needed those guys out there. Like, you needed them together. But now, having said that, people will say, well, you know, message was received because look at what happened in the third period there. They were able to go out there and then contribute and produce at a much higher level. So I, I get that, too. I, I didn't I didn't think it was the way to go. Um, I'm intrigued as to why Rick Bonus in a way, singled out Nikolai Ehlers more so than anybody else on the team, right? Because I thought Kyle Connor was epically awful the last two games. And if you want to talk about somebody that doesn't do anything in the defensive zone either, then, you know, Kyle Connor would be somebody you would maybe demote and shift down a little bit further than Nikolai Ehlers. Um, and especially seeing Menelaiden up there in the top six. That, that to me was maybe even, that might have been worse than putting Ehlers on the fourth line. Cause at least yeah. there it's like, you know, you, you are sending a message to the rest of the team, but I, it's been a rough go for men for a while, like for a long, long time. You can make the case most of the season really. And I, I just thought that move right there, like you're, you're sinking an entire line. I mean, you just knew Dubois and men weren't going to get anything going. Um, and, and they didn't through, through 40 minutes. I mean, Dubois was passing up breakaway opportunities instead of getting the puck towards the net there. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. Thankfully, it all worked out in the Jets' favor there. But that was a that was a tight line the Jets were walking. Because it, like, tell you what, man, if they would have dropped that game, people would have, and I think completely justifiably, been outraged at those decisions. Because you need those guys out there. You need them carrying the bus because that's how you built the team. You built the team to have your top six carry the offense. And if you're throwing them down to the third and fourth line, you're, you're not going to get a punch from from the other guys that were thrown in there. So I'll be intrigued to see what happens coming out of the break. I think we'll we'll see, you know, for the most part, the top six be the usual suspects that were out there. And I, I think ultimately Bones did get it right there in the third period. But I mean, look, I, I get you had to do something, I guess, after the after the Philly game, but I don't I just don't know if that was the the best way to go about it in a game where you just desperately needed the points more so than trying to send a message. Yeah, it's it's kind of semantics, but do you think that Ehlers was on the fourth line? Or do you think Dubois was on the fourth line? Because the way Kevin Stanley's yeah. been playing, I don't, I don't know. I kind of get what you're saying there. I, I think, I mean, Ehlers in the first period in a bit had like two fifty of ice time. So if you're if you're going by that, then yeah, I think I think he was you know pretty clearly on the fourth line. But that yeah, you know what? Maybe that's a fair point that it's Dubois and, and Ehlers getting. Getting a bit of a wake up call there. Um, I could buy that then. If that's the case, maybe maybe I'll I'll change my tune a little bit on that. Um, I mean, obviously for different reasons too. You know, Dubois that might have been just more. Can you please stop taking freaking penalties every second? <laughs> right, like that was such a dumb penalty on Saturday. That was on Saturday. So yeah, yeah. That that's composure. Composure is um, item number one that he needs to work on moving forward. It's not going to be stick handling. It's not going to be shooting anything like that. It's just like getting your head straight. That that's kind of an underrated part of being an athlete. And we saw it. Speaking of athlete, we saw it in the NFL on Sunday night, where somebody couldn't keep their composure on the sideline, and their team's 
their team's golfing instead of heading to Arizona in a couple of weeks, right? So composure is going to be a big thing for him down the stretch there. But I mean, we'll we'll talk. We, we got plenty to talk about over the next two weeks here because the Jets are going to be off for a while. Lots of trade talk, all that too. But I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to see what the lineup's going to be like, specifically what the top six, what those top two lines are going to be. Um, because Shifley, Ehlers, and Connor, there was a spark right away. I mean, there was just, they they were way more dangerous than any line has looked here in Winnipeg for quite some time. And then who lines up with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Do you bring Connor back down with the usual chemistry those two have? Those will be questions that we got to answer and figure out there. But thankfully, again, we're doing so after a W and two points instead of another loss. And then it's referendum time here in Winnipeg heading into the stretch run. Um, but we'll break down a little bit more of the game against the Blues, some other things that popped out, and then, yeah, uh, I guess we got to talk a little bit about the Philly game. Not too much, but a little bit. And then a massive trade happens. Trade watch is officially underway. And who else but Lou kicking things off with a little bit of uh, shock and awe as the Islanders, uh, they're doing something out there. I don't know what, but they're doing something out there. We'll break that all down here in just a sec. Uh, but before we do that... Let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Talking about the gridiron, but guess what? The hardcore is pumping and in midseason form. NBA fans, if you want to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered where new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time only, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you get a free bet back. So it's all good. There's absolutely no concerns in all this. You might throw a bet out there that Pat Beverly gets another tech in his next game for the Lakers, the greatest tech in NBA history. Whatever you want, you can put it on there with a DraftKings same-game parlay and win big money. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for more details. I guess uh quick Super Bowl pick, Tice? Eagles. Eagles? I, I said it. I said against the Giants they were going to get smashed. I said they were going to smash the 49ers. And they're going to beat the Chiefs by six points in two weeks in Arizona. Oh. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you did that instead of smashing for for the third game in a row. I, I, I don't want to put that juju on this because Mahomes and Andy Reid are a bit of a different animal. There, it's going to be a beauty. I, I'm shocked some people are, and maybe it's just like the weirdos online doing their weird thing. But people upset about the matchup, like say, like this isn't. This is going to be a you. You have the two best teams on the planet right now going head to head. Like the two best offenses, arguably in all of football, two MVP candidates, two head coaches that scheme up plays like nobody's business, and then with the way the Eagles' defense has been playing, a fascinating matchup on that side of the ball um, to see if 
Patrick Mahomes is just going to make it through the game because that's two weeks in a row that the opposing quarterback uh, didn't take the final snap for his team, even though he started the game. So I, I, I'm jacked. I think it's going to be one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in quite some time. Um, that's just that's just the rigged the NFL is rigged crowd. Like uh, th- that was one of the most nonsensical things I've heard this weekend. It's like, oh, especially in that Niners game. Oh, that Devontae catch. The NFL is rigged. Like Kyle Shanahan had 45 seconds to call a challenge there. And maybe you should have known something was up when Devontae Smith immediately yeah. caught up and was going, let's, yeah. hunt, let's hunt the ball. Let's hunt the ball. <laughs> so all those, all those NFLs rigged nuts can kick rocks. Nice. Nice. I, I would say, and this goes for any sport. Although I guess the NBA technically was kind of rigged with Tim Donnie. Yeah. So maybe that was maybe like non NBA leagues. Um, don't, don't uh, don't confuse conspiracy with incompetence. Yeah, and I, I especially like the the NFL. I think the NHL is a little bit better at this. How you don't have full time refs? That's, <laughs> like, that's your old like to have part time employees at such an important. It, it's beyond insanity. Um, hopefully, it doesn't turn up in the Super Bowl. But I imagine we're going to get a call or two that we. Uh, we talk about in a couple of weeks' time. Hopefully, it doesn't hurt the birds, but we'll guess uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Oh, um, if, they, if they if they screw the Eagles with a call, I'm back. I'm all on board. The NFL's rigged. Yeah, train. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back on. The NFL can kick rocks now. Um, it, I don't. I don't know if it made the uh, the headlines in Philly. You know, the Eagles might have taken the first few pages of the uh, of the paper over there, but the Flyers did have themselves a pretty good week as well. Um. I don't want to spend too much time on this, quite frankly, because it was so depressing to watch. <laughs> At least we're on a high now after that game against the Blues. So we can kind of laugh at it a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, but not too much. What the hell happened Saturday? Like, what? What? I, I mean, for those that didn't know, we were at the game. And, I, you know, watching it, obviously, from a Flyers fan's perspective, I would say about the halfway mark of the game, we were turning to each other, and it was more disbelief than anything. We were just like, "What? what's happening? Like, are they actually going to play this bad again? And we, like, we were just almost like just waiting, like, okay, like the onslaught's going to – and it, it just – it never came. And it got to the point where that was – that might have been the loudest boo birds I've heard at, at the Jets game since they've been back. That was directed specifically at the team, right? Like, and and fans were one hundred percent justified in doing so because that was like like we said earlier. We thought the Buffalo game was bad. The Philly one might have been worse, just from the perspective of you would have expected a much much better effort at the very least than what we saw out there Saturday night, where the team just looked like they they didn't care. And then Bones basically echoed that after the game, saying, "We didn't care. We didn't look like we wanted to be there tonight." Yeah, and that that was my main concern coming out of that Philly game was that if you're that's how you show up in a game after like the kind of performance you give against Buffalo, that was where if you lose this game against St. Louis, if they, you don't score after going down two nothing, I think that's where like things really start to snowball from there, and it's kind of like you don't want to talk about losing a room that early, like this early into tenure, but like, that's almost what might've happened. And it's, uh, that's why it's, it's so nice to see that Jets pull this one off. But yeah, like that, that Philly game was so terrible. And I don't know, 
to me, it seemed like whoever was keeping shots in that game was pretty trigger happy because I, I don't remember the Jets getting 40 shots and I don't remember the Flyers getting, what, 36, I think it was, or yeah. something like I I, like there was not that many shots in that game. So that was just a, a poor performance. Most of the star guys didn't do anything, like nothing at all. And then, like you said earlier, like that's that's the one wrinkle in Dubois' game that needs to get ironed out is just that undisciplined, unnecessary penalty. I mean, Konecki didn't even do anything. You might have said something to Dubois, but he didn't do anything that warranted that sort of reaction that early on in the game. And you just put yourself behind the eight ball. I mean, I think that, I think, was that the power play the Flyers scored, I think, shortly after it expired, right? Of, of course they did, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he, you know, and, and he's not, it's not like the, 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 the Caudry or like the Torres, like, I don't worry about Dubois losing his head and like taking a suspension or something like that, but it's just going to be, you get in a playoff game and look at the playoff teams right now, Tice. Like, I mean, there's a chance the Jets might play the freaking avalanche in round one. Like you want to, you want to spot the abs a chintzy power play. You want Dallas has been great that you want to just give the here, here's two minutes. Go ahead. Be our guest. Take a game off of us. Right? Like it's, it matters now, but it's not as important. But I just I worry that once this team gets into a situation in games when everything gets tight and the goals are few and you just you, you can't avoid making a mistake, that you just take a boneheaded penalty like that. It, it's it's tough to watch, and I can understand Rick Bonus if, if you know we talked about those forward lines. If his, if his goal was to send a message by putting him with you know bottom six wingers, I don't disparage him one bit doing that because it was it was deserved it was 100 deserved on dubois part and i I even know what like what do you say at this point to him right like he he, he's got to know it right like he can't like i imagine it's been two maybe three head coaches right now in two different stops that have been saying this to him over and over again it's just on him at this point to get your head right like just get your head in the game and and be be more composed out there and I don't think we're going to have too many worries about PLD for the rest of the year. But that, you mentioned the star guys there. They were all awful. Just, just horrendous. Like, oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe it. It was, yeah, that was, that, that was one of the most shocking performances I've seen from this team. And that's why I was intrigued to see what the bounce back performance was going to be like against St. Louis. I mean, look, again, they didn't score in the first 40, but the effort was there execution was a little bit lacking. It looked like they were gripping their sticks a bit too tight, but at the very least they came to play. And then thankfully 44 came to save the day in the final frame there. Um, The one thing I will say that I noticed in the Flyers game, and then it it still carried over into the St. Louis one as well. Uh, Just one more note I want to get to before we talk about the big trade that we saw in the NHL on Thursday or on, uh, on Monday afternoon. I think maybe, I mean, Nikolai Ehlers needs the break big time. But I thought I thought Blake Wheeler looked cooked this week. Uh, he just he, there there was no jump in his game at all. I, I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know if it's just him being and I can relate being in my my mid thirties too. Just like you just need a little bit of time off, right? But there he's just been zero over the past little while. And I, I think I'm intrigued to see what he looks like coming out of the break to see if if we see a little more pop in his game. But I think. I think right now, Father Time's starting to pretty handily win that battle against Blake Wheeler. It was a really, really, really tough couple of games for 26. 
Oh, yeah, that's where I'd like to see the Jets out of forward there, just so you can kind of lessen his workload a little bit. He doesn't need to be playing 18 minutes or 20 minutes. Like, he's in the stage where give him some limited ice time, give him some lesser competition, and let him let him feast on the power play. I think that's I think that's all you can do with Blake Wheeler right now. And speaking of the power play, I thought these last couple of games, it's been, it's been terrible. It's been terrible. It's just been, I've, to me, it's just been stagnant. And especially in this game, it was super... I like you're, it's almost you're and every, no one's moving and you're just passing the guys and they're trying to thread a needle through three sticks and it's just not working. I think they need to, that's going into this break. I think they need to kind of rework the power play job, some new, get some more movement going. I think they could really benefit from, especially because they have the skilled players to do it. You can have a movement based power play where guys are constantly switching spots and, and getting into those open areas. I think that could do the team wonders. And I think I could take them, to a whole nother level too because we really haven't seen their power play go on an extended run where it's where it looks lethal like there's times where they they go on a streak of where they're scoring goals but it's not like they're not like i mean and not every goal is going to be a tic-tac-toe setup play but just it's just lacking that kind of game-breaking ability power play that some of these other elite teams have right now yeah and they got the guys to do it um just hasn't been it hasn't been clicking on all cylinders for quite some time now the pk though is once again great against st louis and that's been one of their secret weapons all season long for the winnipeg jets i i think too the power play everything it, it was just like just get a win against st louis in this one like get a win we'll figure it all out we don't have the weight of the world on our shoulders anymore we can just kind of go about getting our game right when we come back at it against chicago in uh, just under two weeks' time here. So, thankfully, they took care of business there. But, man, man, oh, man, does this team need the break. They need the break in a big, big way, more so than I think maybe any team in the league right now. And, thankfully, they were able to head into it on a bit of a positive and with two points in the back pocket there. Um, so, that'll be it for the Jets talk here. But there is one non-Jet note that will have ripple effects for Winnipeg and the rest of the playoff field in the NHL because... The first big name is off the trade bait board, Tice. Out of nowhere, of course, this is what Lou does because nobody can get any info from him about anything. But Lou Lamorello comes out of nowhere. The Islanders land maybe the biggest name on the trade list right now. Uh, Bo Horvat goes to Long Island, back to Vancouver, Beauvillier, Aturati, and a conditional first round pick you know <laughs> i saw there there was two things and they kind of echo my thoughts on this you know we hear win-win trades all the time when both teams come out you know feeling pretty good about things i think this might be a lose-lose trade <laughs> like I don't, I don't i just i don't i don't know why i get it a little bit more from vancouver side of things but I, I just I don't love the trade for either side, especially from the New York Islanders side. Of, I mean, we, we got to get into what the plan, what is the plan out there for the Islanders in this one. But I thought Dom Lashishin of The Athletic might have said it best, somewhat in jest, but essentially good on the Islanders for making this move because and doing so so early because now they'll have time to flip Bo Horvat at the deadline when they're officially out of the playoff race. <laughs> like, like, dude, I can't remember the last time a team made a move like this with the playoffs not being a guarantee, let alone a guarantee. There right now, playoff odds are under 80%. Like, that's a, it's a crazy amount to give up for a guy. I imagine they re-sign him, but still, like, to give up that much for a pending UFA 
that might make your team on the outside looking in to bubble team? I just don't get this one one bit, Tyson. Yeah, I and I don't get I don't get the fit really either. Like Bor Horvat's having a great season. Is he really gonna be I mean, I I gotta think that they're hoping that he can slide in beside Matt Barzell and continue the pace that he's on, but he's he's been a center. Like he well, no, but this is what yeah, this is what I mean. Like, what's the plan? We need a second line center. Well, you pay Brock Nelson seven million. Well, no, but we need it. We need a guy that can take the defensive. Well, you signed Casey Zizekas for a thousand years and four million dollars to be your fourth line center. Well, no, we need a guy that can score in the playoffs. Well, you traded a first round pick for JP Pajot, and then you paid him five. Like what? I like what, you have all these guys on the roster already. It just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. And and and, and again, I could I could almost understand it a little bit more. Like if the Rangers did this, for example. Like, I, I don't know if I would say it's a good move by the Rangers, but at least it's like, well, you know, they're they're a little bit more closer towards the contention line than, you know, let's try to win a playoff round. I just, I don't know if the Islanders have what it takes to leapfrog some of the teams that are ahead of them to get in. And then if they do get in, who in the right mind takes them over Boston? Who in the right mind takes them over Carolina? Like, it, it, to me, it's just a move that's made to get into the dance, but with no real hope of actually doing damage once you get there. To me, it seems like a move made by a guy who knows that he's not going to be a GM in a couple of years. I think this is Lou being like, I'm taking one last swing and I'm trying to, I'm going to do whatever it takes and to get in the playoffs. And if we get in, we'll see from there. Cause I'm, he's getting up there. Like Lou's an old guy. And I, I, to me, like, I'm looking at this trade just from a future standpoint. I I honestly think Vancouver did all right here, all things considered. Just with knowing that Bor Horvat's not going to be coming back, you got the Islanders' best prospect. You got a first round pick that's got the potential. Like it could, it's got the potential to be top fifteen still. Like they could. That, yeah, that's that's what I like about the, the 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 thing I like about this trade for Vancouver is that they went out and were like, the Islanders are the worst team that wants Bo Horvat. <laughs> <laughs> so so like let's go after them and that pick like if they miss the playoffs it's probably going to be it's it's a top 12 protected pick so you get a 13th 14th pick and a really really good draft I don't I just don't love the Beauvillier edition with it but I yeah. think Vancouver came out of this oh okay I think they came out of this you know at, at, at a decent spot there it's just the you know the Beauvillier with how much money he makes and everything like that eh, I don't know if that's the guy that I would have went after there but at least you can understand Vancouver's and, and comprehend Vancouver's reasoning with this. I just, I don't get, I just don't get what the plan is in, in New York, right? Like, and, like what, and, and what's going to happen in three, four years from now? Well, totally. Like think they, they haven't had a first round pick the past three years. Last year you traded a first round pick for Alexander Romanov and he's a second pairing defenseman at best. If, and that's being generous. That's being very generous. Like you're, after this Horvat trade, if you let's say you end up signing him, who also he's having a great season this year, he's never really been above sixty points before. Besides this season, like yeah. that's shooting twenty two percent right now, which that's, is that's that's a big risk. And uh, you're going in if you sign him, you're going into your future with no cap space, no first round picks, and no prospects. Like they have nothing. And and this looking at this team now. There's not a chance I see them as one of the top five cup contenders. Like, I don't, and not even in the East, let alone the rest of the NHL. 
Yeah, what, so. what is interesting about this deal, I guess, from Winnipeg's perspective to tie it around here is we kind of get a sense of what the market is going to be like for, at the very least, forwards, you know, potential UFA forwards and what they might be getting. I, I've seen a lot of people really interested in, in going hard after Timo Meyer, for example. And, and that's where this trade becomes a little bit, a little bit intriguing because, okay, well, if Bo Horvat gets a first, a young-ish NHL forward and then a high-end prospect, like I, like Timo Meyer gets more than that, doesn't he? I know his contract situation kind of cloud, it makes it a little bit difficult, but I mean, it's not like Bo Horvat has a very, you know, like the, you got to sign him for eight, nine million dollars a year as well. Does it make you less inclined to go after one of the big name forwards, or so. are you okay with giving up a similar? I don't know. Like it, it's going to be similar. You might have to add in another pick or something like that. But are are you are you okay eating that if it's a guy like Timo Meyer coming back to Winnipeg? Uh, the only way I would be okay paying a price like that for Timo Meyer is if your plan is to go fully, fully in. And we're gonna we're gonna add Timo Meyer and we're gonna add an impact defenseman and really go all in because I think. For what you're gonna have to give up for Timo Meyer alone, that's looking at it from a Jets perspective. Let's say you're looking at a first round pick, Vili Hainala. Probably you'd have to add Chaz Lucius on top of that, and then I don't know which young NHL defender or forward you would add there because it's kind of maybe a Morgan. That might be enough. You know, Hainala, Lucius, and a first. That like that's a pretty. That's a pretty hefty package right there. Yeah, something like, or even like a Brad Lambert too. Like it's like that's where it, I, I that's where I get a little bit concerned is giving up all those prime assets. And, and I love Timo Meyer. He's a really great hockey player. He's but I would just be concerned about his ability to drive a line by himself too. Uh, he's the kind of guy who I think needs to be with the guy who can get him the puck and feed him constantly because he's a power forward shoot first mentality and i just i would be concerned about that plus you add on the 10 million dollar qualifying offer i it's just i I like i love timo meyer as a player but that's just a lot to give up for a guy and and in a division where you're with colorado with minnesota with dallas that's it's just a little concerning for me yeah and i think i think and we'll get into this you know over the next few days as well more in depth because we've got some time We'll take a look at the forward options for the Jets, the defense options for the Jets, the goaltending options. No, we don't have to do that. Uh, but but that that's going to be the big thing I, I think that Kevin Shovelayev is going to have to assess here is just we want to make a splash, it sounds like. What's the best allocation of our resources? That I think that's going to be the big thing here because you've got forward options, you've got defensive options. You can you If you want, you can get a deal done here. But is it going to be somebody up front that can bolster on paper a good top six and give you a jolt on that third line as well? Or is it more important to do that on the back end behind what Josh Morrissey has given you right now? Like that that's going to be the big thing that this team's going to have to decide to do. And in a way, too, like, can you find somebody on the cheap, either either as a forward or a defenseman? That you know, they're not going to give you Timo Meyer results, for example, but can they can they be a sneaky ad that you know maybe gives you 75% of what he does at 90% less of the, I, I, the percentages are all over the place, but you kind of get what I'm getting at there. Um, it'll be intriguing. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of taking a deep dive into who 
some of the players that are going to be available for for Winnipeg to go after and what what might be the best way if you want to double dip and add forward and defense what's the best way to go about it and who might those diamonds in the rough be be really really fascinating um but unfortunately for Winnipeg and for any you know Canucks fans here in Manitoba it ain't going to be Bo Horvat uh it's going to have to be shopping somewhere else for Kevin Cheval day off but we'll see if this you know once the the all-star break comes to an end if this kick starts a bit of a, a bit of an avalanche, you know, no pun intended in terms of, of big time moves being made. Some GMs like Lou want to get it done early. Others want to wait closer to the deadline. But with the big fish gone out of the pond here, do some other GMs get a little trigger happy and try to make something happen sooner than later? It'll be really, really fascinating to see how this all plays out over the next little while. But we'll make sure to break it all down for you guys here on Skates and Plates. Wait, yeah. I- oh, go ahead. Does Bo Horvat still play for the Pacific? Yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, he's, all, all, he's an all-star, by the way, for those that were wondering. Is he going to wear an Islanders jersey on the Pacific team? Like, what, how does that work? <laughs> Has that ever happened before? Somebody, I saw, I think somebody said that Sandis Ozelinch was with the Panthers and got trade. I don't, I don't know the teams. It was Ozelinch. Nobody really cared. <laughs> I, I don't think he did the skills comp, and then he he played for. Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah, that that is weird. You can just hey, you don't have to put anybody. Put Bruce Boudreau in instead. How about that? Like if you want to stick it to Vancouver, get Boudreau in there somehow over Bo Horvat. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it's gonna work. To be honest, I don't care because I'm not watching the All Star game anyway, so they could do whatever the hell they want. Um, but that's gonna do it for the episode here. We're a little bit uh, past time here, so we'll we'll call it quits here. And get ready for a a quiet week because it is NHL All-Star break time here. So we'll shift our attention from the action on the ice to the action that everybody loves in terms of armchair GMing towards the trade deadline and who the targets might be that Winnipeg should, could, and need to go after. And maybe we'll do our dream trade deadline scenario for the Winnipeg Jets if everything goes right. Who might be coming to Winnipeg? to help out in the playoff push here. So we'll get into that over the next uh, three episodes, but beginning uh, this Friday when we uh, wrap up the week, we'll talk a little bit of trade deadline before the actual All-Star weekend gets underway. Until then, though, thank you guys for listening once again to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by once again. Thanks for tuning in. We'll get back at it Friday morning. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week and stay safe, everybody. Peace.